Welcome to the Central Assembly Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Dr. Jim Bradford. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. At the beginning of last month, which was the mark of the new year, we started a series entitled Life Foundations. And let's review where we've been so far. That first Wednesday night, we looked at the primary priority of knowing God in our lives. Above all else, let it be said of us that we know Him. We've been putting a die, what I call a diagnostic question to each one of those, and our question there was, if ministry activities or relationships were taken away from me, would I still have a personal, growing relationship with Jesus Christ? He's worth knowing no matter what else surrounds all of that. He's worth knowing for who he is, not necessarily for what we do for him. And then we looked the next Wednesday night at the important foundation of integrity and our need to pursue integrity. And our diagnostic question there was, are there areas of ongoing secrecy in my life that I am intentionally hiding from those closest to me? So that was a very probing night as we looked at those secret areas in our lives that need to be brought into the light. And if they're not dealt with, they can seriously corrode and collapse our, the inner structure of our character, of our lives, and of our influence. We need to be people who know God and who pursue integrity. Then the next week, I was uh, out of town that week, and Pastor Anthony spoke on being yourself. And we asked the question, am I living under the self-imposed pressure of always having to prove something to somebody? <laughs> Be free of that. (laughs) You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Be God's person and do what he's called you to do. Then the next week, we looked at that interesting call of the Lord to us to embrace responsibility, to embrace, to own responsibility. And we asked ourselves the question, do I live proactively or reactively? Do I live just reacting to everything around me? or, Or am I making choices that are based on my values on God's will for my life and the leadership of His Spirit, or all, or are all my choices merely dictated by my pain and by other people's expectations and by what is or isn't happening around me? That call to own responsibility. And then two weeks ago, we looked at embracing change. Embracing change. Wasn't that a lovely one? <laughs> embracing change. And we, I I ended the message just a little earlier. I felt I came to a point where I thought it's over, and I never quite got to the diagnostic question for that week. But the question would be simply this, am I living safely or taking risks? That's always my litmus test for embracing change. Even though I'm 66 years old now, I'm even this week doing something I've never done before because I never want to stop stretching and stop taking risks. And it's a scary way to live, but I don't want want to ever start being trapped in nostalgia, trapped in the past through nostalgia, and kept from moving into the future because of fear. So God wants us to keep going forward. So are you living safely? What a boring way to live anyway. Or are you taking risks? So we talked about that two weeks ago. We had our worship night. 
Last week I heard I was, I was preaching in Philadelphia at Valley Forge University last uh, week and uh, couldn't be with you. I heard it was a great night. We got one more in this series. That'll be next week. But tonight we come to another really important life foundation. That's to love learning. To love learning. Do you love learning? Well, that's good. I'm getting some nods. I'm getting some amens here. Not everybody does. I remember my 45th birthday. I remember it because I, you know, 45, kind of, I felt like I was at halftime. I don't know how long I'll live, but it just felt like halftime, 45. And I had a very interesting day that day, very reflective. But I was surprised at how, how overwhelming the, ten, the, the temptation became that day to say, you know, I've worked very, very hard the first half of my life. And I think the second half, maybe I won't have to work as hard. Maybe I can just coast on all the investments and all the learning and all the experience of the first half of my life. How could I have even been tempted by that? But I think I'll coast. But when I was a pastor in Southern California, my district superintendent, Ray Rachels, sitting in a meeting, and one day he just said, he leaned back in his chair and just said, I want to live till I die. And I thought, now that's a thought. And then I began to think, I think I know some people who stopped living well before they died. And he said, I want to live till I die. And in the context of that conversation, we were talking about being lifelong learners. Not, I'll learn as much as I can till I hit 45 and then I'll coast the second half of my life. But to love learning no matter where you are in your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul's in prison, of course, and he's writing Timothy. And he says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. It reminds us that the apostle Paul was a man not only of the spirit, but he was a man of the mind as well. And he said, it's getting cold in this prison. Would you bring me my cloak? And I just have to have something to keep my mind active and learning. So will you bring my parchments? And some of those parchments, of course, would have been the scriptures themselves to read. And so Paul, he was spiritual, but he was smart as well, wasn't he? Probably Paul had a genius level IQ. It's a myth to say you can't be smart and spiritual at the same time. In fact, what a wonderful thing when God hardwires mind and spirit together into a kind of whole that I think God created us to live with and to live in. Or Proverbs 23, verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Now, I remember sitting in fifth grade and literally counting on my fingers. I was so bored. And I counted up on my fingers how many years before I get to my senior year in high school. And it just disheartened me greatly in a way I still remember to this day that it was going to be seven more years. Little, know, little knowing then, thank God I didn't know it then, that those seven more years would have nine more years of university education straight after that. I didn't exactly love learning when I was in fifth grade. And applying my heart to instruction and 
my words, my ears to words of knowledge. I mean, that was, that, that was a terrible curse that I would have to do that for too many more years. But we all grow up, right? And part of growing up is saying there's nothing like learning. And there's instruction and knowledge that we continue to apply ourselves to. Where Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's right. Even with all your mind, with your heart, you ought to be passionately on fire for Jesus. With your soul, there ought to be something of his spirit that just is working its way out in all the soul life dimensions of your life, your motivations, your relationships, your capacity to care for people, all of these things. But, again, we're not to live this bifurcated life where, you know, well, that mind stuff, that's way over there, that's nothing to do with being spiritual. But he said, we love God with our minds. That's why, you know, I always, you always laugh at me that I read physics books, you know, for vacation and all this kind of thing. But it's, it's amazing. I, I, I love what God's created. I love what he's made. And, and, and I'm just in awe of him when I discover what he has done. And I keep learning. And curiosity is not something to be afraid of. I know curiosity has led some people away from the faith. But God sanctified curiosity when the fire of the Holy Spirit is in your heart is a thing to be loved and valued because it helps us love God with heart, soul, and mind. It's all together. Or Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, don't be conformed, be transformed. It's a very symmetric verse. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, the Greek schema, we get the word schematic from that. Don't be conformed to the world's design or schematic for your life. But be transformed, that word in the Greek is related to our English word metamorphosis. You know how, uh, is it a caterpillar that metamorphizes into a what? A butterfly? There's just fundamental metamorphosis that happens in transformation. And he says this, this will involve the renewing of your mind. This does involve the moral mind. This does involve the renewing of that commitment in the previous verse to present our bodies as living sacrifices, as acts of worship to the Lord. Problem says, the problem is, as somebody has well said, uh, humorously, the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. And so people view verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind are like the ropes that keep us tied onto the altar. Because we fundamentally change. We're renewed in the whole way we think about ourselves, the whole way we think about God, the whole way we think about the world around us, the whole world way we think about our future. This is, and this is, is the renewing of our minds that keep us tied on to the altar where we keep wanting to crawl off. But no, Jesus is saying there's such fundamental transformation that can happen that you just stay on that altar, a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord, available in every way to him. But he ropes in the transforming of our minds. We have to think differently. 
We don't think emotionally. We think theologically. We think based on what God's Word says about us and the world around us and, and, and about what God's Word says about God Himself. The renewing of our minds. So we don't stop learning. We're just avid about, about wanting wanting to learn God's Word more. We're avid about wanting to learn more about people, learning more about God's Word. If you're in spiritual ministry leadership, you know, I believe your task is to learn as much as you can about people and learn as much as you can about about God because whenever you teach the Bible, whenever you preach, whenever you lead spiritually, if you're leading a Bible study, if you're leading one of our, 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 our Sunday morning groups, if, wherever you're doing that, you are, you are standing in between God and people and bringing them together at the cross sections of God's Word. God's Word brings God and people together. So if you're going to do that, well, you learn as much as you can about people and you learn as much as you can about God and you bring them together. This is, this is part of what the renewing of the mind and constant learning does. So do I have an amen in the house? Okay. Okay. So here's our diagnostic question. Love learning. Am I coasting intellectually or am I applying myself to the disciplines of personal study and reflection. Do not coast. May I say that in the name of the Lord. Humbly, but clearly. May I say that. Do not coast intellectually. There's a battle out for your mind. In fact, the mind in the Scripture is often, it, it, it's, it's, it's depicted in terms of two kinds, kinds of ground. One is like the agricultural ground where seeds are planted and what you plant is what ends up growing. Your mind's like what you plant in your mind will grow. And the mind is also depicted not only as an agricultural field but a battlefield. And there is a huge battle. Paul says that we take down the imaginations of the mind that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. There is a battle for your mind. As, as well as your heart. In fact, it's all one as far as God's concerned. So, so the question, am, am I right now in my life, am I just sort of coasting intellectually? Or am I applying myself to the disciplines of personal study and reflection? So here goes. You knew I had a list, okay? Here it comes. First of all, if you're going... If you're going to apply yourself to the disciplines of personal study and reflection, we have to first of all confront the idol of idleness. Confront the idol, I-D-O-L, of idleness, I-D-L-E-N-E-S-S. And idleness has become an absolute idol in America. We are way over-entertained in America. And there is every distraction on earth. And you carry one of them in your pockets all the time. This can keep you idle all the time if you're not careful. I mean, I do my business on this as well. And I use it, and there's nothing wrong in its place. But we waste more time with more things. You know, just being idle rather than picking up a good book and reading it. Just being idle and still having, instead of having a conversation with somebody, 
and actually asking good questions and really listening and learning from the life experience of other people. Just never idle. I mean, yes, you rest. Yes, there's a place for entertainment. Yes, there's just a place for kind of vegging out once in a while. But I'll tell you, we live in a culture that vegges out all the time. And our minds are far too idle. So you've got to confront the idol of idleness. Secondly, I want to encourage you to go for less screen time and more book time. You know what I mean by that? Now, you know, you may be, I, I actually have a lot of books on Kindle, so I read them on a screen. But you know what I mean. You know, maybe less time watching TV or less time just, you know, doing the idle stuff on your screen, on your phone. And just seeing who, you know, social media amazes me. You know, it's like I need to spend a lot of time knowing that somebody at this moment is eating spaghetti but only got one meatball. You know, I mean, I just really need to know that stuff if I'm going to be with the times, right? I mean, you can, I mean, you know, some of this, I mean, it's good to keep up with people's lives on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. But some of this stuff you don't honestly need to know. It, it, it just, you know, it would be good instead to have a little less screen time and a little more book time. Like read some good books. There's a Chi Alpha group, which is the Assembly of God University Outreach in San Antonio that I go visit every year for a couple of days, work with their leaders and speak to their students. They have about a thousand students. These kids are unbelievably well discipled and they're full of the Holy Spirit. And I hang around them and I'm just amazed. These are millennials, if not younger. They're all 18 to 23-year-olds, largely. And their ministry teaches them to read. And they don't read like light devotionals, and there's nothing wrong with light devotionals. But these guys, these guys especially, they start, I sit down with them, and they start telling me about what their discipleship group leaders are having them read. And it's not... It, it's not like, uh, you know, won't this bless you today? They're reading A.W. Tozer, Leonard Ravenhill. They're reading Charles Spurgeon, J. Oswald Sanders, Martin Lloyd-Jones. They're reading, and they will say to me, everybody reads this lightweight stuff, but we love those guys who give us the meat, who give us something solid. This is not fickle and temporary and faddish. I love that. These guys have challenged me. They're reading more of those guys than I am right now. But it's, it's all, you can feed your soul on this. And I'm amazed. I even, some of you I, I interact with, I'm amazed to listen to some of the stuff you read. You read commentaries. You read theologians. I mean, I just cheer you on. That's exactly the direction we need to be going. Just filling our minds with stuff that really makes us think. Stuff that has durability across decades and centuries. Stuff that helps us learn from people who have gone deep with God. This is awesome. So, you know, less screen time and more book time. I encourage you also to ask questions and listen. Ask questions and listen. Um, I have a few people in my life who I know what's coming always. They'll say, Jim, I'm going to be in town. I'm going to be in Springfield for whatever. Could we have breakfast? So I have time if I'm in town. Yeah, we'll have breakfast. But I always know it's coming. 
uh, there's a little bit of small talk, and then they will start asking questions. I mean, they were just pummel me with questions. I'm going, what is wrong with you? But you know what? Most of us just talk about ourselves all the time. But it's a great skill in life. In fact, Proverbs says, a wise person is able to draw out the heart of another. And how do you do that? You learn that incredible life skill of asking good questions and then listening. Because I don't happen to learn a lot just listening to myself. But I learn immense number of things just listening to other people. And if you can become a person who just doesn't talk all the time when you're in conversation, but you learn to ask good questions that draw out the heart of others, it's amazing what we can learn from each other's stories. It's amazing what we can learn from each other's life experience. I mean, these people say, well, Jim, how do you handle this? I had somebody take me out last night. Well, Jim, you know, just visiting out of town, could we have dinner? And I know the drill always. I mean, he must have asked me 15 questions. You know, and, well, have you ever done, I'm in this conflict between these people, how, you know, how, I mean, just constantly trying to learn. And this guy is much smarter than I am. I should be asking him questions. But he always beats me to it. Because he just, he just is a lifelong learner, even though he already has an international level profile. But he just doesn't stop wanting to learn. And that's an awesome thing. Every time I'm around him, he's asking me questions. And then keep especially, oh, let me give you this one as well. If you can, teach something, teach something. You know, you've never learned something until you have to teach it, right? Have you ever noticed that? In one way, you've not learned things until you have to apply it. Oh, I thought I knew that, but ooh, now that I have to apply it, I mean, what was that? (laughs) But then to take it another level, if you ever have opportunities to teach, I want to encourage you to teach people. Take what you've learned, synthesize it, and learn how to express it to others. And I just do believe in that old adage, you never learn something until you have to teach it to somebody else. So whatever. I mean, we don't even mind if you volunteer to lead a Bible study. I mean, just do something to teach somebody or mentor somebody who will ask you questions and make you really think about, well, how do I live my life? And how does all this spiritual stuff fit? And, you know, there's just nothing like mentoring somebody. There's nothing like coaching somebody. There's nothing like leading a Bible study. There's nothing like teaching. And you don't have to be a communicator even. You just, it just can be one-on-one. But just put yourself in a position where you you have to pass on what you know. Because then you first of all think, boy, I don't know that I know that as well as I thought I knew it when you have to explain it to somebody else. But then you realize, you know what? I actually know a lot more than I realized. And it all crystallizes when you have to teach it or have to share it with somebody else. So put yourself in places where you're imparting to others. That's a great way to learn, to get to the place where you can actually share it with other people. And it it always re-engages the learning experience for me until I have to do that. And finally, However you can do it, get the Word of God in you. Get the Word of God. If you're going to be a lifelong learner anywhere, learn this book. Learn this book. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Read it. Pray it. Sometimes I like one time I prayed 
every verse in the book of Romans. Took me weeks. But every verse in the book of Romans, I turned it into a prayer and just prayed it back to God. I love praying scriptures. But whatever it is, just get the Word of God into your life. Just keep being a lifelong learner of the Word of God. Especially do not coast intellectually with the Word of God. May I implore you to, I mean, I'm talking to you like I'm your dad or something. But you know what? Just in the name of the Lord. Especially don't coast intellectually when it comes to the Word of God. This book amazes me constantly. I've studied it most of my life, and I still see things I've never seen in there before. It's inexhaustible, and it more than anything else will renew your mind. Read great books about great men and women of God. Get with men and women of God whenever you can and ask lots of questions and be around other people who need your input and tell them what you've learned, but especially learn the Word of God. And never coast there. And it says that all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's 2 Timothy 3.16. Man, that's powerful. It's useful. God's word is useful for teaching. That's what we need to know. It's useful for rebuking. That's what we need to stop doing. It's useful for correcting. That's what we need to start doing. And it's useful for training or nurturing you. That's what we need to become. What we need to know, what we need to stop doing, what we need to start doing, and what we need to become is all formed by the mold and power of the Scriptures so that the person of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work, Paul tells us. So especially, we learn the Word of God. Will you stand with me?